two uh, because, uh, you know, there's nothing new under the sun. And uh, these questions, when you throw these out, uh, talking about what we've been talking about, uh, especially when it comes to tongues, uh, it brings up a lot of questions. So the first question would be 1 Corinthians 14.4. Can you read that, Rob? 1 Corinthians 14 and... No, there's, there's two different ones. There's two different ones. Thank you there, bossy section. <laughs> 1 Corinthians 14, right. 4. 1 Corinthians 14, 4 says, He that speaketh in an unknown tongue edifieth himself, but he that prophesieth edifieth the church. Okay, that sounds great. What does that have to do with prayer? Okay, I'll get to that. But <laughs> 1 Corinthians 14, 4 is a question also. So what does speaking to yourself in an unknown tongue have to do with praying? Is, according to this verse, prophesying to a congregation, praying for them? Is it? Well, thank you. Then neither is speaking to yourself. Yeah. That was good. All right. Now, go to the next one, Kylan. Yeah. This is the one that has the praying and unknown tongue in it. So, even, even so, ye for as much as ye zealous of spiritual gifts, seek that ye may excel to the edifying of the church. Wherefore, let him that speaketh an unknown tongue pray that he may interpret. If I pray in an unknown tongue, my spirit prayeth but my understanding is unfruitful. Absolutely. Speaking in an unknown tongue, it would require interpretation. Mm -hmm. So that wouldn't be a prayer, would it? No. Because the, the basis of interpretation mm -hmm. is that another understands. So if you were speaking in an unknown tongue in prayer, you'd be speaking not to men, but to God. So speaking in tongues and praying in the spirit are entirely two different things. Speaking in an unknown tongue, let him pray that there would be an interpreter. Do you, when you pray in tongues, say, well, you know, God, let me interpret so I can tell them what I just prayed about? No. You interpret a tongue because God is speaking to man and you are not praying to God. Amen? Right, okay, got two grunts there. <laughs> so just let your mind absorb that. Speaking in tongues is not always prayer. Prayer is directed towards God. Tongue can be directed towards God and you can speak about the mysteries of God. You're not praying anything. It said you're speaking about the mysteries of the kingdom. So why is everything just thrown into one statement? Well, I pray in tongues, so I must be praying. 
Or, uh, well, you know, I speak in an unknown tongue, so my spirit prayeth. Well, let me answer this. Paul said, I will speak in an unknown tongue, and my spirit would pray, but I'll speak with my understanding also, so my brain would pray. Okay. Now, if you could speak without praying, then you could do the same thing in the spirit. Yeah, he sings in it. And he sings in the spirit. So whenever you speak in tongues, do you add a, uh, a note? No. So there must be a song in tongues. There must be a tongue that needs to be interpreted in tongues, right? There must be a tongue where you're speaking to God in the mysteries. It's not prayer. And then there is a tongue where you pray to God right you're absolutely right so they're all different the problem has been is that the church is in its infancy stage regressed 20 I mean 2,000 years ago and we don't even understand what took place on the day of Pentecost they were praying in unknown tongues. They were speaking in unknown tongues. And that was an evidential language. Not a language that they adhered to the rest of their life. It was an introduction into the realm of the supernatural. Read Romans 8.26 there, Kylan. It says, likewise, the Spirit also helped us in our infirmities. We know not what we should pray for as we ought, but the Spirit itself makes intercession for us with groanings which cannot be uttered. Now, that tongue is talking about what? It doesn't have to be interpreted. Mm -hmm. It's not speaking mysteries, right? right? It's not speaking to ourselves. Mm -hmm. So speaking to yourselves in tongues would not be praying. You wouldn't pray to yourself, would you? You wouldn't be God, are you? I don't think so. Oh, okay. So, that, so. That, that's just a stupid thought. All right. Now, but here, when we don't know how to pray, the Holy Ghost gives us a supernatural utterance to pray. So, you could speak mysteries to God. Nobody's supposed to understand them because they aren't even interpretable. The Bible says... No man, that's you and I, no man understands it. Number two, you could speak in an unknown tongue to men that would need to be interpreted, that they could be edified, comfort, and exhorted. Mm -hmm. And then you could speak to yourself. You, you couldn't pray yourself. That'd be, come on, that's, that's, no, you wouldn't, you wouldn't pray to yourself. So you would speak to yourself and that would edify comfort and exhort also right mm -hmm. okay and then you could pray in the spirit but they're all four different activities right. and they're all four different languages yeah. now since we have never taught the gift of tongues plural we have stayed in the vein of singular 
understanding. That means we only stand, understand one thing. Come on, God's given you a prayer language. God never gave you a prayer language. He gives you a prayer language when you don't know what to pray. But praying in the Holy Ghost does not replace studying the Scripture to put God into remembrance of his word. That's pure laziness, and God understands it. Does God capitalize? Does God give you an A plus by giving you an utterance all the time? No. 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 God said you study to show yourself approved. In other words, you know how to use the scriptures to bring about deliverance for people. You know how to pray the prayer of faith, which is not in tongues. And you know how to use the scripture to get answers. The Holy Ghost is not putting an emphasis on stupidity. Or, I'm sorry, I shouldn't have said that. I can hear Phyllis talking. Upon laziness. No, you, you can't do it. It's not going to happen, folks. And I'm just telling you, God's not going to violate his law and his word to appease our ignorance about speaking in tongues. Now, so none of these have to do with evidential language. The only place that this has to do with praying in an unknown tongue, singing in an unknown tongue, speaking in an unknown tongue that needs to be interpreted, and speaking mysteries to the Father, the only place that our unknown language has to play is to be an evidential to our being filled with the Holy Ghost. That's it. And so, what we want to do is discover how to move on be beyond our evidential language. Now, how many of you, I don't, don't raise your hands. Traps, traps. How many of you have been praying that evidential language ever since you got filled with the Holy Ghost? Well, of course. Most people do. But the problem is, let me answer this. Can you say the same thing and expect God to decipher what you really mean? Or does an unknown tongue word mean that same thing all the time? The interpretation, yeah. right? If you were praying in an unknown tongue mm -hmm. and you notice that you use this word a couple times in your prayer, you think it meant the same thing in that prayer? Or do you think God changed the meaning of, oh, he didn't mean that, God, I know what he meant. <laughs> so when you're praying in your evidential non-existent prayer language, you are praying the same thing expecting God to fill in the blanks. No, the Bible said this, that which they have said, I will do to them. So evidently, God puts definition to the meaning of words. If you said, God, I'll tell you what, 
I hate those people. I just wish you'd curse them. God would say, oh, he don't mean that. He really wants to bless them beyond their expectancy. That would, or if I'd say something angry about someone, he'd say, oh, he don't mean that. He really means just tickle them pink. Is that how you think God is? That he just does whatever he wants, despite what we're doing. There's only so many times you can point at the cupboard and go, eh, eh, and your mama, your mommy, know that you want a cookie. Pretty soon you get about 18 years old and you go, eh, eh. it ain't a cookie, it's car keys. Now how is she supposed to make a difference because your eh, eh, is the same? Okay, just tell me how we think. That evidential language means something different today than it did on the day we got filled. You say, but I do it all the time. Well, learn behavior. You learn those words, your soul connected to those words, and your soul repeats those words. The Bible said, out of his belly shall flow rivers of living water. You know, you can pray in tongues with your own remembrance. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. I've run into sinners that said, well, I can pray in the Holy Ghost anytime I want. And they just start praying. Mm -hmm. Well, I think, boy, you know what? You are deceived, buddy. That's no more inspired by the Holy Ghost than, than you being inspired to think that you were saved. You can't do that, but people do it. They make fun all the time. So, when we talk about the evidential language, what we want to do as Christians is move beyond that. We want to move beyond it. Tomorrow morning, let's just talk about Tomorrow morning. And so since we confused all these people, but be very, it's really not confusing. Look, if you were talking to God, the mysteries of the kingdom, would you be praying? No. Right? Somebody say no. If you were speaking in an unknown tongue in front of a congregation, would you be praying? No. If you were speaking to yourself, not praying to yourself, would you be praying to yourself? No. So right there just tells us that one tongue does not cover the entirety of your relationship with the Holy Ghost giving you utterance. But ignorance will separate us from the life of God. Ephesians 4, 17. So, let's quickly see if we can get through this. Hallelujah. Praise God. All right. Uh, and I knew all those things would be coming. So, uh, let's look at different ways to have the gifts activated or released in our lives.
Now, the first thing I want to talk about is, uh, can you go to 1 Corinthians, the, oh gosh, let's look at a 15th chapter, 9 through 10. What's that say? 15, 9 through 10? Yeah. For I am the least of the apostles that am not meet to be called an apostle, because I persecuted the church of God. But by the grace of God, I am what I am, and his grace, which was bestowed upon me, was not in vain. But I labored more abundantly than you all, yet not I, but the grace of God, which was with me. Therefore, uh, whether I, it were I or they, so we preach and so you believed. Okay, Paul says something. He said, though I don't consider myself to be qualified as an apostle, yet I am what I am by the grace of God. In other words, that word grace there yeah. means an endowment. Yeah. Something has been bestowed upon me. Nothing that he did to get it or not to get it. And uh, so Paul was the byproduct of an endowment of God. Yes. Now, when we start looking at the cause of God, these are, some people would say, well, they've got a gift to preach, they've got a gift to this. And we understand what you're saying, but one is a gift. Mm -hmm. The other uh, is a calling. Yeah. It is an office. Right. Yeah. And there is a five-fold ministry office of pastors, evangelists, teachers, uh, prophets, and apostles. Ephesians, the fourth chapter, verse 8 down through 12. And these uh, offices are earmarked by certain supernatural gifts of the Spirit. Mm -hmm. So these gifts of the Spirit that we would look at in these fivefold ministries are gifts that go with the call. Yeah. Now, if a gift did not have any cause behind it, then the gift could define itself. Right? Yeah. Uh, the, Rob, see if you can find a, a I'm looking where uh, the gifts of the Spirit were, man, uh, where Paul said, I have the gifts of the apostle on the inside of me. Hmm. Kylan? <laughs> yeah, Kylan. <laughs> no. Uh, I'm not sure. In Corinthians? See if it's in 2 Corinthians 1, 6, 1. Uh, first, 2 Corinthians 3, 1 through 6. Okay. This is what happens. You start flying yeah, by yeah, the tail. Yeah. I read this today. That's good. Do we begin again to commend ourselves, or need we, as some other uh, others, epistles of commendation to you, or letters of commendation from you? Uh, ye are our epistle written on our hearts, known and read of all men. Forasmuch as you are manifestly declared to be the epistle of Christ, ministered by us, written not with ink, but with the Spirit of the living God. Not in tablets of stone, but in the fleshly ta tables of the heart. You want me to keep going? No, I'm looking for another one. Okay. <laughs> uh, somebody help me here. The gifts of the apostle were... Doo -doo -doo. Yeah. Oh, yes. Praise God. Somebody. I know where you're at. I, I, I read it today, and I'm trying to... Are you trying to find it for me? Yeah. Well, help me. You're failing. <laughs> Hallelujah. There we go. Uh, where uh, Paul says, uh, I come behind yet 
he says, uh, yet the gifts of an apostle uh, are active in my life. It's really what it says. Yeah. And uh, I have to say that. And I'm just saying, Rob, is, who's got a computer? <laughs> no, no, I'm not moving on <laughs> because it's important. I don't know. I just Kylie, don't check know. your here. Check your computer. <laughs> I don't get good signs of an apostle. Can you use it? See if I get good service. I'm not sure I do. Yeah, try. It's the signs of an apostle. That's what I'm. Second Corinthians? Yes, this is it. All right, there you go. Okay. Yeah. I am become a fool in glorying. You have compelled me, for I ought to have been commended of you, for in nothing am I behind the very chiefest apostles, though I be nothing. Truly, the signs of an apostle were wrought among you. In all patience and signs and wonders and mighty deeds. For what it is written, uh, ye were inferior to other churches, except it be that I myself was not burdensome to you, forgiven me, for, uh, forgive me this wrong. Okay, thank you. Yeah. Sorry, didn't know yeah. where that was. I had a wrong number down. Now, uh, the gifts of the Spirit are given to the fivefold ministry to verify that gift. In other words, if a man does not have certain gifts that follow a certain office, then he is not what he says he is. See, we say today, anybody that wants to be an apostle, all he has to do is make cards out. (laughs) Or somebody wants to be a prophet, all they have to do is make a card out. And the church, has become its own enemy because they expect no identification from God of a divine gift. Like uh, the office of a prophet. A prophet should be able to declare uh, the future so he should be able to end the past. He should be able to operate heavily in the word of knowledge. He should also carry a teaching ministry, but he also should carry a power gift and those things should be in his life and uh, so we have pastors today that define their self and the offices cannot be defined their self or man could make anything that he wanted out of an office Mm -hmm. that's why we have people saying they're prophets and they aren't prophets they're profitable to nothing nobody (laughs) I mean you know uh, you would say to a prophet, well, prophesy to me. Oh, God's going to bless you. You're the head and not the tail. No. I didn't say, quote, scripture to me. I said, prophesy to me. Reveal to me the secret of my heart so I'll know that thou art a prophet. But see, the church is like it has to make a room for everybody. No, you make room for whom God has made room for. But we don't make up falsehoods and just accept everybody. Thank you. All right, so all of the fivefold ministry, these offices carry with them at least three gifts that confirm them. And when they aren't in operation, 
then the congregation really has no defining lines to say what a man is or what a man is not. So that's why it holds us to the call. If, don't let a man think himself to be anything that is not. Yeah. How does he not think that? He has to compare his gift to the scriptures. Now, if you're, if you're going to say you're a prophet, then make sure that you have the gifts that follow a prophet. If you're going to be an apostle, yeah. Paul said, look at the gifts I have, not just the message I preach. Yeah. And so we have to do that. So that's one way. Somebody say, that's one way. All right, that's one way that the gifts come. The second way is found in, can you read, Kyle, in 2 Timothy 1, 6? Yeah, is it 1, 6, 2 Timothy 1, 6, I think. Or is it 1 Timothy 1, 6? It's uh, 2 Timothy 1 6. 2 Timothy 1 6. Kylan? Second question? Yep. Oh, no, 2 second Timothy. Timothy. Oh, 2 Timothy. Uh, that makes a difference. <laughs> All right, 2 Timothy 1 6. Wherefore I put thee in remembrance that thou stir up the gift of God which is in thee by the putting on of my hands. There you go. By the putting on of my hands. Now, Everybody probably has had this happen if you've been saved a month. Somebody comes up to you and say, I want what you want. A lady said that to me the other day in a, a service in uh, Brussels, uh, Belgium, Brussels. I started laughing at her. I said, you, you think you can buy this at the grocery store? You, you think it's for sale? Oh, yes, I want what you want. Lay hands on me and get it. I said, well... By myself, I'm stupid. I laid hands on her. She couldn't tie her shoes. I'm, I'm kidding. But people think that you get to put it on whoever you want to put it on. Now, there was a lady in our church. Uh, she's not in our church now because she travels all the time. And uh, her name was Sherry. And uh, her and her husband, Dave, uh, attended here for years. But every service, she would come up and say, Pastor, lay hands on me. So I lay hands on her, and uh, every, I just felt like God wanted me to do this. So every service, I'd lay hands on her, and I'd loose the gifts. Hmm. Now, Eric and I met her, you remember we met her in a church conference, and I said, she said, Pastor, I said, don't call me Pastor. I said, you ain't come to my church. She said, I can't help it. You laid hands on me, and she mentioned all the nations she'd been in that year. I told Eric. What have we been doing? She'd been to like two or three nations more than Eric and I have. And she said, I'm going all over the world preaching the gospel. She mentioned some of the people she was preaching it with, and I thought, man, oh, man, that is good night. Why didn't they ever call me? Evidently, they didn't want me. But that woman got that thing on her, and she went out and did it. Now, lots of people want that. But you can't do it unless God tells you to do it. So you may go through the motions, 
but it won't happen to you. And so you can have it given to thee by prophecy, by the laying on of hands. Mm -hmm. It can be imparted to those that God reveals to you to impart it through. But there are other ways that we would go as what I would call the pattern yeah. of the scriptures. But you, it can be prophesied yeah. into you, spoken into you, and imparted into you. Uh, can we go to First uh, Timothy 4.14? So the laying on of hands is one, and this one's going to bring up prophecy. Go ahead, Rob. Neglect not the gift that is in thee, which was given thee by prophecy, which with the laying on of the hands of the presbytery. Of the presbytery. So it can be given by prophecy. Gifts of the Spirit can be imparted. Here, it more or less was imparted with the office. Yeah. But you can have these prophesied into you. I know that uh, me going to the world was prophesied to me by the prophet of our church for about six or seven years. And, uh, you know, it was a time of great struggle. I would go to him and say, you know, you prophesied this to me. And I'd be sitting there crying and praying, and he'd say, well, I can't help it. He said, it, I didn't say it. God said it. Don't you come out here, have coffee with me, and ball, ball with God. Let's drink coffee and have donuts. I'm thinking, you have no mercy. He didn't care because it wasn't his word. But that word invoked me to pursue after God. So uh, you can get it by your call. Those calls are embraced, and that's a great way to filter people who say they're called and are not. Amen? All right? The other is by the laying on of hands, by the direction of God. You know, we're not laying hands on any man suddenly and so forth. And then by prophecy. And then if you look at... Uh, Luke, the 11th chapter, and I think it's the 13th verse. Luke 11. Oh, let's go 11. Uh, 11. Let's go to verse 11, 9. Can you read that, Kylan? 11, 9 on down through 13, I think it is. It says, <clears throat> if a son shall ask for bread of any of you that is a father, will he give him a stone? Or if he asks for a fish, will he give him for a fish, give him a serpent? Or if he asks for an egg, will he offer him a scorpion? If then, being evil, know how to give good gifts unto your children, how much more your heavenly Father give the Holy Spirit to them that ask him? So really, we could receive the gifts of the Spirit by asking God, by simply asking God, and then believing that you receive, and standing in faith until they show up. That's coveting. That's, that's a coveting. Coveting. That is yeah. a hunger and a passion. Says, God, this is what I want. Yes. And uh, so we could ask God that. In fact, we find it in 1 Corinthians, the 14th chapter, if any man speak in an unknown tongue, let him pray that he interpret. Yeah. Mm -hmm. So you could ask God to activate gifts in your life. 
Go to Acts, the fourth chapter, and verse 28, Rob. Okay. So these are just different ways that we can ask of God. For to do whatsoever thy hand and thy counsel determineth before thee to be done. That's Acts. Go ahead, read on down. And now, Lord, behold their threatenings and grant unto thy servants that with all boldness that they may speak thy word by stretching forth thy hand to heal and that signs and wonders may be done by the name of thy holy child, Jesus. And when he had prayed, the place was shaken where they were assembled together and they were all filled with the Holy Ghost and they spake the word of God with boldness. So there, those men ask God to stretch forth his hand and to loose the gifts. They literally said, God, stretch forth your hand, do signs and wonders in the name of your holy child, Jesus. Or we could say, do signs and wonders in the name of your child, Jesus. Exalt him above all others. As Acts, the fourth chapter said, that the name did. Right? So we could pray and ask God. And so when I discovered that I could ask God about the gifts, then I begin to ask God. I begin to ask him in a different way. I begin to loose the gifts of the Spirit because I firmly believe that whatever I loose in heaven, it would be loosed on earth. And so every day, and still most days, and always on crusade days, or weeks, I pray, God, I come before you. I know I'm filled with the Holy Ghost, but based upon your promise to loose anything I ask you to loose, to bind anything I bind, I loose the gifts of the Spirit today. I loose, God, the working of miracles. That God, the blind eyes will see. That God, deaf ears will hear. God, the lame will walk. The dumb will talk that God, Jesus, would be glorified. I lose creative miracles today, that God, eardrums, new organs, bones, and muscles, God, would be recreated in people. And I lose, God, the gift of faith that will possess my mind, my eyes, my ears, my thoughts, that, God, I will move into the realm that I will, God, not only do that which faith has done in the past, but I'll do that which you have dreamed that faith would do in the future. I lose, God, the gifts of healing for deliverance, God, for lunatics, for insane, for possessed people, Amen. drug addiction, alcoholism, God. And so I lose them. I lose the word of wisdom. I lose the discerning of spirits. And I do this every day. I do it going down the road in my car. I lose those gifts and I loose them into my life. And I do it every day, and I used to do it in my pattern of 45 minutes in prayer, loosening the gifts, 45 minutes studying miracles, gifts, healings. Then I'd loose the gifts again. Then I would pray and study. Then I'd loose them again. I'd pray and study. I'd loose them again. I'd pray and study. And it was about time to go home. And I did that every day for 18 months until Jesus came through that cabinet. And uh, I would still be doing it today if he hadn't come through that cabinet. 
I'd still be doing it. And then I discovered that I could loose things that belonged to me by fasting. If Go to Isaiah 58 and verse uh, 6, Kylan. We know that Jesus was led of the Holy Ghost into the wilderness, and he was there for 40 days, and he was tempted. And after 40 days, he returned in the power of the Holy Ghost, not just the person of the Holy Ghost, but power. And there's a difference of being filled with the Holy Ghost and having its demonstration. Now, Isaiah 58, verse 6. It says, Isn't this not the fast that I've chosen to loose the bands of wickedness, to undo the heavy burdens, to let, let the oppressed go free, and that you break every yoke? Stop right there. Now, this is a fast that God has chosen. Mm-hmm. Now, this is prepared by God. This is validated by God's choice. And it does four things. Mm-hmm. Does it? So there's no sense in trying to do it any other way. Just like tithing is a designed act of faith. It does one thing, opens the windows of heaven. Then fasting does those four things. Plus, if you'll read the next two verses. Is it not to deal thy bread to the hungry, and that thou bring the poor that are cast out to thy house, when thou seest the naked, thou cover him, that thou hide not thyself from thy own flesh. Then thy, thy, thy light shall f- break forth as the morning, and thy health shall spring forth speedily, and thy righteousness shall go forth before thee, and the glory of the Lord shall be thy reward. Now, what we just read, eight things, that, that fast that God chose to do. Undo the heavy burden, let the oppressed go free, break every yoke and mm-hmm. loose the bands of wickedness, and then cause your light, not God's light. Mm-hmm. It's not God's light. It's your right light. Mm-hmm. And your healing, mm-hmm. your inheritance, your benefits. Mm-hmm. This is what God is showing us. Fasting is a release of that which belongs to you. And then your righteousness, or the benefits of the man in right relationship with God. What was that? That the works that I do, you shall do also. And the glory of God will encompass us and guard us even from behind. What is that? Glory is an unveiling of God. So here we see that fasting does those four things, but then it does those other four things. And so fasting is what? Fasting is a silent intercessor for something that has been revealed to God of why you abstaining from food. Jesus said, fast in secret, God will reward you openly. Well, fasting is one of the voices that I discovered that God would listen to. And I would say, God, this is what I'm fasting for, that my legal rights as a righteous man to live in the power of Christ and to live the Christ life would break forth. God, I'm fasting today that your glory would be unveiled through my life and you would protect me as I walk forward with you. 
And so I started petitioning God like that. And Phyllis will tell you, back then, I was about 142 pounds, about 50 pounds lighter than I am now. Phyllis used to say, you look like an Ethiopian. But I didn't care. I, I, I was willing to go wherever they had to take me to obtain what God wanted me to have. And that I knew was mine. This was mine. And it's every believer's. So uh, I started doing that. And so that, uh, besides having the office, laying on of hands, prophecy, asking God that they would be manifest. Notice that it said that you could pray for the interpretation of tongues, but you could covet earnestly the best gifts. What is the gift? The one that is needed at that time. And then we have to realize that that is God is not a respected person. Is not a respected person. Doesn't mean that everybody wants it. It can be idolized by all, but obtained by very few. Yeah. And you can find that in Acts. Would you read Acts 6, 3? Wherefore, brethren, look ye out among ye seven men of honest report, full of the Holy Ghost and wisdom, whom we may appoint over this business. Now they said, look out men. Yeah. Well, really, everybody in the church at that point was probably filled with the Holy Ghost. <laughs> but there's a grave big difference of being filled yeah. and having the power yeah. of. Yeah. Now read down where it said Stephen and mm. them. Yeah, and this saying pleased the whole, verse 5, the multitude, and they chose Stephen, a man full of faith and of the Holy Ghost, and of Philip, and Prochorius, and Nicnor, and Timon, and Parmenius, and Nicholas, the proselyte of Antioch. And the next verse didn't say, and Stephen was a man? Well, uh, yeah, 5 says he was full of faith and of the Holy Ghost. And of the Holy Ghost, and I think it says he did miracles among them. Verse 8, and Stephen, full of faith and power, did great wonders and miracles among the people. What made the difference between Stephen, these six other men, Mm -hmm. and the rest of the church? Full of faith and power. Which is probably now up to, let me see, added daily, we can't count that, 3,000 first day, multitude of men and women, uh, Acts 4, 5,000 men without wives and children, so it could be upward to... 10, 12,000, so we're probably looking at about 20, 30,000 believers yeah. uh, that are there, and only seven men <laughs> have a recognizable touch on them. We can be so lackadaisical about the potential that God has given us that we desire nothing else except a life that, uh, what, do I, what is this word, uh, a life that would maybe insinuate that God had touched it. Mm. When in actuality, everything we've got, we've just been watchers over and penny pinchers and taking care of our stuff and half of our lives has never really been touched with God at all. Because of the lack of faith and the lack of covetousness. 
I want to be a man of the supernatural. I don't want to be known as anything else. Now, many of you that are attending our church know that we are, for this following year, I've committed to going to Uganda besides the crusades that we're doing in other countries. And, uh, you know, right now, this next three or four weeks are, is a real busy schedule for that. But in the last two crusades we've had, we've seen 85,000 people come to Jesus Christ. Amen. And we've seen dozens of blind, deaf, lame. The little girl that touched me most was just uh, on the field in, uh, yep, wherever that was, Eric, Uganda. <laughs> yeah, there he goes. Yep, Sasete or whatever. And uh, she was born crippled, born blind, and born deaf. She got prayed for the night before. The next night, she, they brought her back, put her on stage. She walked over, grabbed Eric's leg, and didn't like Eric, turned around, ran back to her mother. And, uh, but they asked us to come. Now, this guy has 40,000 people in his church, three services a Sunday morning, every night revival from 7 or 8 o'clock to 1, 2, 3 o'clock in the morning every day. And uh, he preaches like four or five times a day. Plus he has national television, plus he has radio, plus now they asked me to come and to be a mainline speaker in these crusades because they understand that the miracles is what gets people saved. But they could have literally anybody they wanted on that stage. And I'm sure that everybody says, well, who's Pete Dosek? Which it doesn't matter who I am. What matters is that they know Jesus after we leave. Yeah, amen. But the point being is that they're not a dime a dozen. And that if we will pursue what God wants us to do, I'm telling you that God will use us to change the world. Yeah. He will do that. And he'll lose the other campuses are live streaming. He will use every one of you in those campuses. And he will use every person that is here today, not only to touch the world, but to touch your family. And so as you do that, as we pursue these things, as you learn these things, you're probably not going to understand them all at once. Uh, I've, I've watched uh, miracle tapes about A.A. Allen, Brother Roberts, uh, uh, Osborne. Uh, got, I've watched those so much I could tell you what they're going to say before they're going to say it and what gift was going to move before they healed that person. Mm -hmm. uh, because I've watched them so much, and I've been doing it for 20 years, I've been watching them, and I never get tired of watching them. But I'm telling you that they're going to happen in your life. And so what we're going to do is starting tomorrow, we're going to be laying hands and we're going to be believing God that God's going to begin to impart gifts of the Spirit on the inside of you. And tomorrow we're going to start on speaking in tongues and then we will go uh, maybe into another gift and uh, start doing that. Because we only, we only got like five, six, seven hours after this week. And that's not very long. Uh, but... Uh, there was a young girl attended our church. Her name was 
Aaron Pierstorff. And Aaron got married, and she lives in Washington, I believe. And uh, Aaron found the gifts of the Spirit uh, on the Internet when we were teaching them. And uh, she started watching them every day. She goes to a large church. And uh, pretty soon, she started teaching her children how to move in the gifts of the Spirit. They're just little kids. They started moving in the gifts of the Spirit. Started having dreams and, and all that kind of stuff. Giving people words of knowledge. And she started moving in the gifts of the Spirit. Well, lo and behold, her church finds out about it. Puts her in charge of women's ministry. Then other churches start. Then she starts preaching at women's ministries and things of that nature. Now she's just gone all over the place. Preaching, teaching, operating in the gifts of the Spirit. And she raised her children to do the same thing. So it's very easy to do. You just have to cipher like through tonight. You didn't get a prayer language. That threw a wrench in your moccasin. Hallelujah. And you think, well, what did I get? Well, you didn't get the devil. You got the Holy Ghost. You got an evidential language. But now let's build on that. And let's go beyond it. Amen. When I was a child, I spake as a child. But then I grew up and I spake as a man. And so we're going to discuss, discuss those things tomorrow. And, uh, well, there you go.